LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid, practical, gospel center ministry tip every week. And I'm flying solo today. Well, I've got got Greg here with me, but I don't have my usual... Uh, partner in crime, Derek Hanna with me. So Greg, welcome to The One Thing. Thank you. What do I need to do to be Derek today? What, what's a <laughs> no Derek one, thing? No one can be Derek. Derek is uh, Derek is irreplaceable. He's uh, he's such an important cog in the wheel that is uh, Reach Australia, Geneva Push. Okay. Uh, he's very important. So not, not replaceable, but it is good to have you. This is the first time being on The One Thing. Yeah, that's right. I've I finally, finally reached the pinnacle. <laughs> You've been on our brother podcast, the Reach Australia podcast, a number of times, yep. but this is the first time on The One Thing. Now, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. Over the past 10 years, we've helped plant 100 churches in Australia, and we're aiming for 200 more by 2030. A great goal, a great vision. Uh, so if you're thinking about church planning, give Derek a call. But for now, you've pressed by another episode of The One Thing. Inputs and outputs for church. Now, this is an interesting topic. There's so many activities that go on in the life of the church. And over the last few years, we've introduced the language of inputs and outputs, outcomes. It's caused a bit of confusion uh, around the place. So, Greg, in 15 minutes, you are going to solve and resolve all the, uh, all the confusion. Now, for those of you who don't know Greg Lee, Greg Lee is the lead pastor at Hunter Bible Church uh, in a little, little town just a little bit north of Sydney uh, called Newcastle. Greg's smile. A little moment. town with a big a little, attitude. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so before we dive into the episode, how do pastors tend to react when you start talking about inputs and outputs for church? Uh, I think it, it depends on their circumstance. If we're talking about outputs for other people, pastors are very keen. We're really keen <laughs> on setting other goals for other people. Uh, and we know that we want to get stuff done. And so it makes sense to set goals and hold ourselves, hold people accountable. We feel less comfortable with ourselves because it... If I set a goal and I don't reach it, it says something about me. It's a painful experience. Yep. There are, I think there are also theological questions around, you know, we plant and sow, but God gives the growth. And so how much can we be responsible for those things? But actually, I think it's mainly an emotional thing. I, setting an output goal for me puts me under a, a pressure that we often don't like. So you've already kind of raised some of the common objections. You know, isn't it God who brings the growth? So we can't really, you know, aim, aim for... 10 conversions next year because that's a that's a god thing not an us thing Mm. what are some other objections um i guess the the question of is it is church then mechanical so if we talk about outputs um that feels quite mechanical but church is the family of god church is the people of god and so that's where i think the word for outcome uh is more helpful and we we actually have outcomes for people that we want all the time so i often talk about um when you have a baby, you you measure their weight and you have outcomes that you're looking for, markers that you want to hit mm. um, because we love them. Um, and so that objection that it feels mechanical, it feels unloving. Um, I'd want to say, well, you measure what you love and you have outcomes for things that you love. Um, people do talk about the, the objection of... Uh, can I be held responsible when God is the one who actually gives the growth? Um, and in that one, we, if you're an evangelical, we've thought around that with, in terms of the sovereignty of God. And we're quite comfortable that God remains sovereign and is sovereign and yet works through us. And we're talking about that compatibilism. 
um, I do have outcomes and I recognize the sovereignty of God. Yeah. So there, there's that emotional response that you started with in terms of actually setting that goal and then not hitting it. Mm. Um, how, how can that be a helpful process for just you and your team to be you know, aiming for, let's just use 10, 10 conversions. Yeah. Uh, we want to see 10 people make first-time decisions for Christ. How, how can that actually be a useful and a helpful thing for making decisions and for um, you know, helping you set that direction and that goal? It's helpful in a bunch of ways. One, it gives you clarity about what it is we're trying to do. So often when you don't have a goal, uh, an endpoint that you're looking for, you don't have clarity about how to get there um, and you tend to meander. Uh, two, um, there is a degree to which it spurs you on. So I long to be faithful, but also we want to be fruitful. Um, I think it also leads to gr greater creativity. So when I've got a goal, um, when we set an outcome that we're after, and we're not reaching it, it leads me to go back and rethink what we're doing. And so outcome-focused leaders do tend to be restless and they tend to be creative. They tend to be, um, they tend to kind of want to push around and go, is there a better way to do it? And so um, at that level, I think there are all sorts of benefits from being an outcome-focused. And, and that creates a conversation with your team. Yeah. Um, that actually involves them in decision-making process. So it's not just all on, on you. Yeah, that's right. We never set, uh, well, I don't think I've ever set an outcome for one of the guys that I work with. We've always set them together. Yeah, mm, That's great. Okay, well, we've, we've, we've got, you've got kind of seven things you want to say about inputs and outputs. So let's kind of just... Yeah. Go through them and, and have a discussion. So what's your, what's your first thing? Yeah, so if we're talking about um, helping to manage the people that we're working with towards the outcomes, there are seven things that I think can be helpful. The first one is um, we actually have to establish the outcomes first, which seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but in my experience, often churches don't set an outcome that they're looking for. What they do is set a program for the following year. So we're going to run the life course or we're going to run growth groups, but tend not to think about an outcome. This is where for us, three really important things sit side by side. One is we want to keep good data. Uh, we want to know what's happening in church. And again, you, anything that you love, you measure. You would keep data about how your children are going at school. Um, and so we want to keep the sort of data that says uh, how many people are coming on a Sunday. Uh, how many newcomers are coming? What percentage of those newcomers have ended up in a growth group? How many non-Christians have come? What percentage of those got converted? Um, we call that trend data. From the trend data, that's how you build a reasonable outcome or output goal. Um, and so if, say, we had 50% um, of people in our church who are serving in a team, to set an, an output goal of 90% mm. next year, it's just completely unrealistic. But to go from 50 to 60 or 50 to 65, that's reasonable. So from the trend data, I build an output goal. From the output goal, I then start to build input goals, which are how am I going to get from 50 to 65? What, what am I going to do? So output goals are the outcome, the result. Input goals are essentially our strategy. And those three things work together. You've got to have data in order to build an output goal, you've got to have an output goal in order to know what your input goals are. So again, that's the first thing. It, it, it's a process, and it sounds like it's a process that you're not doing alone so that you're sort of creating a rod for a back on someone else. You're yeah. actually working on this together, yeah. analyzing, thinking, looking forward. It's a real process where you're actually inputting into your staff or if you're in a smaller church, into your you know lay team yeah. to actually help set and drive in the direction of where you're going. Yeah, there, there, there can be increased complexity with size, but you can do this no matter how small you are. You can do it in a growth group. 
counting how many people are in the growth group, how often do they come? That's just getting input data, isn't it? Um, if I was starting at the very beginning, I would want to know um, how many people are, uh, are on our roll, what percentage of them are coming to church, how many non-Christians have come to our thing, what percentage of those have been saved, how many people are in our growth groups, what percentage of those are in ministry. They're actually fairly simple things to count. They're what helps me to build the outcome, the output goal I'm after. Once I've got that output goal, I can then work out how are we going to get there? What are we going to do? That's that's um, that big first step. In order to work at outcomes, you firstly got to set them. Mm. So that's the first thing. You've yep. got to establish the outcomes. Yep. Second thing? The second thing is you've got to have tested the inputs to be convinced that they'll actually achieve your outcomes. Okay. So, um, for instance, we might say uh, we're hoping that 15 people are going to become Christians this year in our church. Um how are we going to do that? What are our inputs? Well, we're going to run a mission in January and then we haven't got anything else. And you think, well, is that really likely to achieve that? Um, we've got to, we talk about testing the inputs mm. and stress testing them and saying, is this strategy likely to work? Um, which kind of requires a bit of thought, doesn't it? Uh, if we want 15, if we're praying for 15 people to be saved, um, is running one mission likely to do it? What do we need to do for follow-up mm. and those sorts of things? And so having come up with the outcome, we then need to test the inputs. Thirdly? The third thing we need to do is check that the people who are involved with it have been faithful to the inputs. So this is one of those things that any leader uh, can have as a bit of a bugbear. You sit down, you set a goal, you work out the strategy, you do your outputs and inputs, and then you come back a month later and nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. the, the thing hasn't been run, the mission wasn't there, the follow-up wasn't done. And so often as I'm spending time with our guys, the question will be, how have we gone being faithful to the inputs? So this is another word that I've, I don't think pastors enjoy talking about, performance. So I'll put a link in the show notes to a video that you've done on the 4P. So you yeah. talk about purpose, people, programs, and that word that we don't often like to talk about in church, performance. Yeah. But it, but it's a useful thing and it's a helpful thing. Yeah, that's right. We, we may not be in control of everything, but I'm in control of my diary mm. and I'm in control of getting up on time and I'm in control of making the phone calls and... Um, this is where that idea of you've got to learn to lead yourself is really important. And as we sit down uh, and set output goals and input goals, we commit to them. Mm. And we say, all right, we're going to do that under God. Um, and this is actually just about being, being faithful with the ministry of God, isn't it? Um, and so the third question we're asking is, have we been faithful with the inputs? Because if we haven't, there was no way we're ever going to hit the outcomes. So the next thing you got to do? The next thing you have to do is regularly the measure the data so that you can face the facts. So how often is regular? Like we're not you're not thinking every week you're looking at the data and you, you're pouring over. Hey, we still haven't seen those yeah, fifteen conversions. Yeah, What's going right. on, guys? Yeah, yeah. There are some things you do want to measure every week. So the number of people who turn up to church. Um, there are some things that are cumulative throughout the year because there are seasons. Um, so the number of newcomers at church isn't something that you want to necessarily measure every week. We we tend to look at that number every quarter. Mm. We measure, you know, who's there every week. Um, but we know that during January and February, we're going to get a disproportionate number. Um, and so there are certain things that are going to be cumulative throughout the year. Um, the trick is knowing how often you want to measure it um, and then going about doing it. Um, so a big one for this is the number of people who aren't Christian 
that are moving into the system and the number of those people who become Christians. Um, I'm kind of amazed how rarely churches count the number of people who are saved in the last year. Um, and I'm often surprised by they don't even know how many people who aren't Christian, how many non-Christians are floating around their system. Um, that kind of suggests that we don't think it's very important. Mm. If we don't count the number of people who, who are saved, it kind of suggests maybe we don't think it's that important. And if we've got no idea how many people are in our, floating through our system, it kind, of, it kind of says we don't really think it's very important. Um, and so um, with the resources you've got, measuring the data that helps you to hit the outcome goals is really important. And measuring it regularly. It's important you, saw, you talk about regular. So yep. quarterly meetings to review the data that is helpful to look at quarterly, monthly meetings to review the monthly data. Yep. So you can actually start to make decisions and actually tweak your plans as you go through the year. So you don't get to the end of the year and go, oh, well, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't hit the goal um, and we, we did exactly what we we're going to do. You're actually regularly yeah. assessing how you're going so you can actually make, um, That's make right. changes. The data saves us from um, living on anecdotal evidence. Um, I believe in anecdotal evidence. I believe in listening to stories and I believe in listening to conversations. Some things can only be measured anecdotally. But if that's how we run our church, then we end up in an echo chamber of mm. only listening to the people who confirm what we already think. The hard data can't be avoided. So that kind of brings us to, the, I guess, the fifth, the fifth point, which is really important. Yeah, you've got to assess why the inputs uh, have or haven't achieved the goals. So... Um, if we've set an outcome goal, 15 people to become Christians, um, we had input goals that we thought that will work. We're running the course a certain number of times. Um, if we've been faithful to it uh, and we have run that course that many times and it's been good and only two people have become Christians, then we have to start asking, why didn't we hit it? Mm -hmm. um, and it could be that in the sovereignty of God, uh, we planted and sowed, but he didn't make the, didn't bring the growth. Um, but it could be because our course wasn't very good. Mm. Um, it could be because people came to the course and no one spoke to them. It could be because in our course, we didn't answer any of their questions. All we did was shout at them, um, asking what, was, what reasons can we see, having been faithful with our inputs, that they didn't hit the outputs. Um, I think that there's a, a degree of soul searching that goes on there. Uh, and a degree of, you know, maybe we've got to do better. Maybe we've got to find something different. Sometimes it's we just need to persist. Mm. But we've got to keep asking the question, having set the output, having agreed on the inputs, having been faithful to them, having measured, why didn't we hit it? What are our reasons why? What are... and, and again, there's a good, a good conversation there. To bring, it brings in your team... Um... Uh, it's it's helpful to again think creatively. Mm. Uh, you're constantly sort of assessing and, and reassessing uh, how things are going. Yeah. Uh, what about what about your your role as the lead pastor in this? You know, actually pressing into this and, and looking back at the why. How often do you sort of ask yourself, well, am I the am I the problem here, or did I not come up with the right plan, or have I not been leading my team well? Yeah, that's. I think that's often the case where um, if you're the leader you look at failure as everyone else's fault. Mm. Um, I do want to keep, uh, if someone has been faithful to the inputs that I agreed on with them, I do want to own my own failure in this. Mm. Maybe it was my uh, maybe it was my mistake that we, we chose the wrong inputs. We had the wrong strategy. Maybe I didn't give you enough help. Um, maybe I didn't sit closely enough to you. Um, surely a good leader has to keep asking, what did I bring to this situation? 
um, rather than if only my staff were more faithful, mm. if only my staff were more skillful. Well, it's my job to help them to be more skillful. Okay, second, the second last uh, area to push into. Yeah, so having set the outcome, having uh, tested our inputs, having been faithful, having measured, having worked out why we may or may not have achieved the goal, the next thing is we might need to reset the output or the input. That is, we might need to go, well, maybe 15 was always just a little bit ambitious mm. and we need to pull back to 10 or 8. Um, we had to do that this year. So we were hoping for uh, a particular level of growth in church um, and we had a whole stack of people leave at the end of last year just because of circumstances in Newcastle. Um, we're probably not going to achieve that. The level of growth that we wanted was a pretty ambitious uh, target. Um, and at the end of the first quarter, we sat down and said, well, let's drop that by a percent or two. Um, so we reset the output. Sometimes you actually say, let's reset our input goals. Let's change our strategy. If we did this, maybe we'd still hit the number. We could try this. There's that creative process of um, not just say moving the target, but sometimes changing the strategy. Let's run the course two or three more times. Let's build a bigger team. Let's improve the material. But there's the creative thing of not just asking why hasn't it worked, but what can we do to make it work? So what's the final thing? The last thing is we need to establish the next time we're going to review. I think this is something that often the leader doesn't do. They go, right, we've done some work, we've thought about it, off you go. Um, but what that does is it just kind of leaves the person in a bit of a vacuum. Um, we make sure that as a team, we have a staff conference annually, we have review points every quarter, um, and I meet with each of the senior guys every fortnight. And so if we've been looking at a strategy, uh, an input goal and an output goal, and it hasn't worked and we've revised it, I'm very, very often I'll say, well, it's going to take about a month for us to move forward on this, but in a month we're going to start measuring again. Next time we get the data, we're going to measure it and we're going to look closely at it. <clears throat> Rather than just kind of press play and move on, I think we do want to say, when are we going to look at this again? Okay, Greg, so uh, that, that's been really helpful. Seven steps, and we'll put those seven steps in the show notes as well, to be thinking through uh, how you lead your team in driving towards outcomes, thinking about both the inputs and the outputs that are involved in ministry to see, you know, God willing, more people wonder Christ and also people growing in their knowledge and their love of Jesus as well. So, Greg, what's the one thing you want to say about inputs and outputs? I'd want to say it's important that we pursue them because we're not just talking about a strategy, we're talking about people and we're talking about eternity. We have a big outcome. And that is that people will go to heaven, that people are presented mature in Christ. There's an outcome that actually is eternal in its scope. So this isn't just about strategy. It's actually about eternity. Brilliant. Well, really good to have you on the one thing for the first time, Greg. Uh, I'm going to jump into the toolbox now. Uh, if you jump on to the Reach Australia podcast, episode 5.4, Measuring Outcomes in Your Church Ecosystem with Greg, is a great uh, podcast episode to, uh, to jump in. It's a, long, you know, a longer form uh, podcast that you can really push into this a bit further. As I mentioned as well, we'll make a link in the show notes to that video that Greg did on the four Ps as well. There's a One Thing episode, episode number 164 on Measure What Matters with Derek. And, uh, and a final one, a, uh, an article on outcomes, the key to growth uh, on the Geneva Push website as well in our online resource library. Uh, so there's a bunch of resources to check in on and, and talk about. Can I always encourage you, uh, talk about this with your team, share this podcast with your team uh, and start to work towards outcomes as well. 
finally, just want to encourage you to come to the Reach Australia conference. This year, we're going to be holding the conference in nine different state hubs. It's going to be on the 18th and the 19th of May. It'll give us the opportunity to network, to meet together with other church leaders in our local context to finally you know, gather and, and, and think into how we're going to reach Australia with the gospel. Check out reachaustralia.com.au and get your ticket today. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.